Welcome to WeChat Divorce with Karen Shalou, Legal Liaison, and Katherine Shanahan, CDFA, co-founders of My Divorce Solution, the company that delivers the quintessential financial blueprint to couples facing or going through the divorce process. This blueprint, known as the MDS Financial Portrait, establishes the foundation and options an individual or couple would need to make clear financial decisions when considering divorce. Each podcast, Catherine and Karen sit down with divorce professionals and other individuals who provide insight and frank discussion about real people, real situations, and real divorce. Welcome to WeChat Divorce. Catherine and I are so happy today to welcome attorney Renee Bauer to our podcast. In this episode, we're going to discuss the art of reinvention, divorcing without shame. But first, let me take a couple minutes to introduce Renee. Renee Bauer is an award-winning divorce attorney, a published author, and founder of the family law firm Bauer Law Group. Renee's insights are sought after by local, national, and international media outlets, podcasts, and conferences where she speaks on co-parenting, blended family dynamics, relationships, and the art of reinvention. As an accomplished litigator, she boldly educates and inspires women to reclaim their right to happiness through her online course, The D Course, love that, and podcast, Happy Even After. Welcome, Renee. Good morning, ladies. How are you? Good. We're so happy to have you, not only because of your expertise, but for your enthusiasm that you bring to a very difficult um, topic, basically. Uh, You know, you've been a divorce attorney for so long, and now you've found the courage to talk about your own experiences with divorce. What gave you that courage to do that? Yeah, so, you know, it was really, really difficult. And for most of my career, I showed up in the way I thought a lawyer was supposed to show up, you know, all buttoned up and I was putting on an act and I would go into court and represent my clients and do the job that I thought I was supposed to do. But when I got home from at night and I kind of stripped away the suit and, and the act, it was, I was like a broken version of myself because I never talked about not just one divorce, but two divorces that I've had. And because I was filled with so much shame and I really had no intention of talking about it. I thought this was just something I was going to keep to myself forever and kind of just live with it. And one day a good friend of mine uh, started a podcast and she said, Hey, I want to have you on as a guest and I'm going to bring some sushi over. We'll have a couple drinks. I'm going to ask you questions. And at that point I didn't listen to podcasts. I was just like, okay, like I'll answer some questions for sushi. I can do that. And (laughs) she came over, we ate a ton. She clipped the mic on me. And for the first time ever, I spoke about my divorce and she asked these questions and I actually answered them. And when that podcast episode dropped, I was inundated with messages and emails and DMs from other women who said that was my story too. Thank you for sharing. One woman said she sat in her hotel room and just sobbed because she never, she felt so alone during her divorce. And 
here she was listening to someone else talk about um, what they were going through. And at that point, I knew I needed to stop being the buttoned up version of myself and really strip away those filters and start sharing my real story and start being vulnerable, which is so hard to do as, you know, a type A perfectionist of just really showing up and saying, hey, this is me. This is what I went through. Um, and it's definitely been a process, but it has been so rewarding because that's there. I've just connected with so many people that way and I've heard so many incredible stories and was inspired to start my own podcast because of that. You know, it's great that you say all of that because we talk about what it does for the other women. You know, the three of us have all been through or to the other side, right? So we know where they, where they are currently probably, but when you tell your own story and I've experienced this myself, you know, that vulnerability is very hard to do. Um, but when you do it, Afterwards, you're really, oh, you're healing yourself yeah. further. You know, you realize that there is still more healing. We all need to always improve. So in sharing your story, not only is that woman sobbing in her room, feeling a sense of relief because she realizes she's normal, but then I bet you went home too. And you probably shed your own tears saying, wow, I let that out. It's like something I was hiding from and it's okay, right? Is that how you felt? Yeah. And, you know, especially the second divorce, like that was just such a moment of embarrassment and almost humiliation. Like the marriage was in and I, I was in and out of it so fast um, before like a season was up. But <laughs> there was so much shame from that one. And, you know, coming out the other side and, and, sh and I, I, you're right, you're completely right. I never really healed from that. Like I was still holding on to it. And now I talk about it so much and so frequently as just something that has just happened. There's no emotion attached to it. It's like, all right, it's just part of my story. And it allows me to do the work that I do now. It taught me to be a better partner and spouse for my current husband now because I really learned um, from, from that. And, you know, it be, you, the more you talk about it, the, the more detached you are as if this is something that's so substantial and so impactful to who you are as a person. And it becomes so much less than that. And it's just, okay, this is just one chapter. And my book is really, really thick. So I'm going to turn the next page. But you're completely right. The more we talk about our stories and share them, um, there is just this healing process that happens for, for the person who's listening to that and the person who's actually speaking it. Yeah. Renee, were you an attorney during your divorces? Were you oh, yeah. a practicing family law attorney? That's I sure incredible. Was. Yeah. And you know what? That's the, the embarrassment of having to go into court and go into the courtroom on the day that I was getting divorced and standing there amongst the judges that I regularly practice in front of some colleagues. Um, you know, there was so much shame there, which is crazy because it's like, why? You know, if I do this every single day, why was I so attached to this? Um, and, you know, there's so many reasons for that generational that upbringing and, you know, all of the, the societal upbringing that what we're taught about divorce. Um, so even though I can work in that space and, and help other people through it, when I was going through it myself, it was just, you know, I, I got brought back to those moments of being a child and, you know, learning about friends whose parents were getting divorced or hearing my own parents talk about divorce and, you know, just, just whatever relatives said, and just those things that you're brought up thinking and attaching to that word. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really, really difficult. Um, and there was such a, a, uh, 
difference between what I was doing in my work every single day and my personal life. And it wasn't until those two blended that I really stepped into who I am, what I was meant to do, and just in complete alignment with my life. Like there was definitely a disconnect before that time. Yeah. So did they blend or did they collide? I'm just wondering. <laughs> That's all semantics. <laughs> um, you know, I think that it was a collision at first and now it blends. Um, I One think that, second. you know, there was some so much resistance at the very beginning. And even my current husband and I like had to sit down and have a conversation about me speaking and being so public about it in a way that I never had before because I was so personal, like I kept everything to myself. And now I was thrusting our family kind of into the social media world and speaking about it and sharing things um, and never sharing things about the exes because that's not what it was about. That doesn't help you heal, but just sort of sharing about our life and my journey. Um, and so there was definitely some resistance at the beginning because that was something my, my husband was uncomfortable with. He was like, sure. no, I don't, I don't know about this. And I'm like, I, I get it. It's hard. It's hard for me, but you know, this is going to happen and we're going to do it. And now it's, it's going to get easier each day. And now it's, you know, he's totally comfortable with it. Um, so there's definitely the, the collision at the very beginning and now it's blended beautifully. Awesome. That's awesome. You know, and I think a lot of shame comes from a lot of guilt. You know, as for our generation, we're all in the same generation. Actually, we might be a little older than you, but, um, you know, we're, we're expected to play our role and play it perfectly. And we're expected to do so many different things perfectly. And not only are we expected by others, but we expect it of ourselves a lot of times. And so we feel so guilty about not being able to, you know, meet up with the expectations of staying married forever or the shame, as you say, getting divorced a second time because it just didn't work out. Um, why do we carry all that guilt and shame on ourselves? You know, it's not until you get into your 50s that you start releasing some of that where, you know, it just doesn't matter. You know, the 20s and the 30s and the 40s are just about sometimes almost everybody else but yourself. And that's what needs to change. You know, we don't need to be feel shameful or guilty because our marriage didn't last as long as it was supposed to by the guidelines that are put out there. You know, I don't say my marriage was a failure. You know, I was married 20 years. I was with the person 23 years. I just say it lasted as long as it was supposed to, you know. And I think we need to change the mindset and the dialogue on how we treat others, you know. And when we look at somebody who's a divorcee, you know, it's, it's okay. You don't have to say, I'm so sorry for you. Right. You know, you could say congratulations for moving forward, with yeah. getting through that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not contagious. It's like, you know, you say, <laughs> you, you say that you're divorced and, you know, some reaction is like, oh, well, didn't you want to try to make it work? Or, you know, oh, well, there's plenty of fish in the sea. And they kind of like step back a little bit from you as if like they can catch it. Mm -hmm. But you're, you're so right. And, you know, and what I think you said is so important is the guilt of walking away from something that just isn't good enough. Like, it's okay to have to be married to someone who is a good person and not the right fit for you. And to be able to say, you know what, we're just not living in alignment. Maybe our values are different. Um, maybe we're just, it's just, it's come to completion and being able to walk away from that because there's something, not something better that you're looking for, but it's just not the relationship that you want for yourself. And you walk away, not because you're looking for, there's someone waiting in the wings, but you walk away because you're choosing yourself. And 
I think that, and I'm sure you guys hear it too, but there's so many women who will say, you know, my husband's a, a, a good person. He's a good father. And so what's wrong with me that I'm not fulfilled? And I think that that's, you know, there's so much work to be done there. And that's, you know, that was my first marriage. Like there was nothing wrong with it, but it wasn't, it wasn't a good fit. And, you know, he went on to marry someone who was his perfect match in every sense of the word. And so did I. Um, and, you know, and it's, it's kind of like breaks my heart to think of people who stay and they kind of jam themselves into a relationship because they think that if, if unless it's abusive or unless it's like really bad, then there's no reason for them to be unhappy. And that's where that guilt comes in because they feel guilty about wanting something different than what they have. Which is sad because we all change. You know, I, I, we hear a lot of people say, oh, our spouse says, you change. You're not the same person I was married to. That's why I want a divorce, you know? Well, of course we all change. You know, hopefully I change every day. I pray that I become a better person tomorrow, right? So it's okay to change. And as you're saying, if over those years, 20, and we have a lot of 30-year marriages coming to us, 20 years or five years, whatever it is, if your outlook has changed in life, listen, this life goes by so fast. That's okay. You don't have to feel guilty about it. You know, it is your right to be happy. And we see that a lot on the financial side because there's a lot of shame and a lot of confusion and sadness or fear that they're going to leave this marriage that they don't have to take. They're not happy, but at least everything's taken care of because they don't understand it. And once they start getting the financial knowledge that they need, whether they have to go to work or not, it doesn't matter. But once they get that, Renee, you should see their faces. You know, they just transform into, oh my gosh, I'm feeling a little bit more empowered. I'm embarrassed that I didn't know that information. You know, we always say it's okay. You know, you did the best you could at the time you're doing it. But once you gain that kind of knowledge, some, you get to move forward, right, in a positive direction for yourself. Yeah, I have a client that I like to use as an example for exactly what you're talking about. And she was in a long-term marriage. Her husband did everything, paid the bills, took care of the house, and she had a really comfortable life. It was not a good marriage. It wasn't horribly bad, but it certainly was not good. And she would have stayed forever because she was afraid of what was going to happen out the other side. And so she was forced into this divorce situation. She, she would have stayed married had he wanted to. And she was so afraid of paying her own bills, taking care of the house and all of that, having to go back to work full time. And it was about a year after her divorce that she reached out to me and said, I have never been so happy in my entire life. And I didn't even know that I was so unhappy until I was forced into this situation. And she said, she bought her house, she was paying her own bills, she was financially responsible, she was saving money. And, you know, she was just so happy that she was forced into this situation. And I'm like, that's, you know, that's the example. That's the success story of just because you don't know it now doesn't mean you can't learn it. And there's so much power when you start to really understand what money looks like and, and the finances and you take control of it. You're no longer just sitting back waiting for things to happen for you. You become the driver. And that's, you know, that's amazing. That's incredible. That is incredible. And if you're listening, you know, that, that woman took on a very courageous journey, but it was not easy. So a lot of people look at us, probably the three of us and many others that we talk to is I want to get to where you are now. You know, I'm 10 years out, right? So I want to get to where you are now. But I had to do that work too. You know, I cried every day for years. You know, I went through my ex saying to me, who has a better marriage than ours? Ours is fine. Who, whose other marriage do you want? And I always said, it's not about the other people's marriage. It's about what I want you know, the happiness I want. 
Um, but it, it's a journey to get through that. So if you're listening, give yourself the time so that you can be the success story of that woman as well, which is so exciting to hear. Yeah, and, and I think that that's so important too, is just to have some grace and allow yourself to heal and not jump into something else. Don't try to quick fix your emotions by jumping into another relationship. Like really give yourself that space that you can. And it's okay to cry. It's okay to miss your kids on the weekends. You don't have them. We all have gone through that. But you just continue putting one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward. And that's how you get out the other side. I love that. So I see a tip here is give yourself space. What's some more tips that you have to help people divorce without shame? Because I'm going to guess it's a high percentage of people that do have a significant amount of shame navigating this challenging process. Yeah. And so, you know, there's so many bad things about social media, but I think there's so many good things too. And I think that there are so many communities of people going through something similar and so many resources out there. So I'd say find a, a community um, uh, that you feel comfortable in and join that. Um, there's so many really amazing people doing this work and in this space. Um, and surround yourself with some, with other people who know what it's like and they get it and they can say, I see you. I felt all of that. Attend events, um, like the one that you put together. Um, that's a great place to connect with other women and make lifelong friendships. Um, in addition to being inspired and excited about your future. Um, and then just give yourself time. And like I said, don't jump into anything like it's, I think it's your initial reaction is to want to um, get some attention, want to mask the pain that you're feeling and you start dating before you're ready. Um, and now you're just, you're covering up without actually healing. And so really before you jump back into the dating world to make sure you're ready to do that and you're doing it because you, you, you are ready to date, not because you're trying to fill the void or fill the time when you miss your kids. That's so yeah. true. Do you think that's what you did the second time around? Um, well, I actually did that right after my first divorce, I jumped into dating and that didn't work. That was not my second husband. Um, then there was time in between that. Um, so, you know, who knows, who knows how many, <laughs> what mistakes I made the second time <laughs> around. Um, you know, I think that that was just not giving the relationship enough space to let everything reveal itself. Um, I think that that was just jumping too quickly into something, um, and ignoring the red flags. And, you know, so I love that Renee, not giving yourself enough space to let everything reveal itself. That is yeah. so powerful. Um, and I think that we need to write that down and take that away <laughs> because it's so true. You know, men and women, nobody wants to be lonely. Everyone. And as we get older, everyone says, I don't want to be alone. I hear it from both sides, the men and the women, right? So I always remember saying, you know, just because to my friends, I'm sitting here alone by myself, I'm really not lonely. Like I enjoyed watching the TV by myself. I enjoyed not having to cook for my kids finally for a night. You know, I learned to like embrace that. And it really is cathartic. And it is um, something that we need, I guess it's the self-care, right? Which is the best yeah. care that we need to start embracing, especially as women because we're all, we're, we're big givers and we're always taking care of something, but to take that time, even when you're going through the divorce to pause and look at what you need, you know, and give yourself the time to see um, what it is that you need from a companion, if that's what it is that you want. And that's, 
that's exactly the takeaway that I have as to this day is because when I did create that time and really learned how to be by myself and do things that filled me up, it's something that I still crave. And even in a current relationship and married, it's still something that I make time for. And, you know, an example is I went to Vegas recently with my husband and he was traveling for work and I spent the day kayaking down the Colorado river by myself. And it was, it was, you know, I don't need, I don't need someone else to be there with me. Like this is something that just filled me up and it was that self care and it was being in nature and being by myself. It wasn't being lonely. It was doing something by myself. And you really, when you give yourself that space, you learn how to do that. And when you're comfortable being by yourself, you don't need to fit the time, fit someone in there. You'll, if you're with someone and it feels good and you're having fun and it's joyful, then um, that's fine. But when you start to see the red flags, you're able to walk away and say, you know what, this doesn't serve me and I don't need you just to keep me company because I can keep myself company. And I think that that's important is that you're really paying attention to those red flags. We all have had them in bad relationships. And when we've allowed them to linger a little too long, that's when you see the, the divorce or you know, the relationship not work out, um, but it's taken some time to get there. So pay attention right at the beginning um, and, you know, really dial into what those red flags feel like in your body and pay attention to them and um, don't try to make excuses for them. It's it's your gut instinct telling you that something just does isn't right and it's okay to walk away from that. Yeah, I'd like to set a, I would like to set a challenge out there if you're listening to this podcast, because I do believe that with that self-care, you will release some of the shame and the guilt that you feel. So Renee, we heard that you just went kayaking in Vegas by yourself and really had a great time. So if you're listening, challenge yourself. What will you do this week, today, this month to challenge yourself to be by yourself? And Karen, I think you and I will have to think of something too. I know Karen recently went out and I was so proud of her. I'm a little bit more of an extrovert, so I go out and do a lot of things, but Karen is more of an introvert, not in a negative way at all. I'm not saying that, but I said to her, go do pickleball by yourself. You don't need your friends all around you to go with you. Go do it to a group that you don't know anyone. And she ended up doing that. And she could talk about her experience and not talk for her, but I will boast for her because she was the champion of a tournament that they had. And she would have never done that probably years ago, but she found the courage to do it. And how did you feel after you did that for yourself? Like what kind of self-care was that? That that was incredible because you are right. I am an introvert. And when I hear both of you talking about those things by yourself, I know for myself and for a lot of our clients, that's a really hard thing because, you know, for most of our lives, we're just around a lot of people. But I did take that challenge and I did sign up for a tournament. And so my first experience walking onto the courts was, oh God, I don't know where to go. I don't know who to talk to. I don't even know if I'm in the right group here because you have to assign yourself a level um, to compete. So, you know, I just kept stepping up and asking questions and, you know, taking the next step. And the worst case scenario, I could walk away. Um, but I never felt like doing that. I met some really great people and I had a really good time. So um, it was a great experience. So I do encourage anyone to just take a small step if that's your first step, um, because we do have to do really hard things in our lives. And that piece of it is important, especially when you're in a, 
a life-changing situation, which divorce is, and we have lots of them to really know who you are inside. And I love that you're, you encourage your clients and the people that are around you to do that because it is important. Um, yeah. So I have a question because you're challenging people to do hard things. That can be a very hard thing from a self-care perspective. But when people are divorcing, they have to do really hard things from a tangible perspective, meaning make really good informed decisions for themselves and value themselves enough to make really clear financial and legal decisions. And sometimes it's really super hard because you're walking into a vortex of the chaos it seems sometime and you don't know what's right and what's wrong and you're getting opinions from everybody and you, sometimes you're, you feel vulnerable and intimidated. So how much do you assign that as being as the art of reinvention? Because going through divorce begins that art of reinvention. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. That's a great question. I, you know, I think that one of the mistakes that lawyers see clients make is the client comes in and says, okay, I hired the lawyer and now I don't have to do anything. And I'm going to let this lawyer do all of the work and speak for me. And I'm just going to follow the advice. And I think that that's a big mistake. Um, there are lots of lawyers out there. Some of them do better jobs than others. Some are, um, are have different value systems in terms of how they practice and whether they're pushing things to litigation or more settlement minded. And you really need to take control as a client of your own situation and become informed and ask the lawyer every step of the way why things are being done or ask questions and not just allow or rely on the professional to tell you the way something is supposed to be done. Because at the end of the day, when, when you sign that divorce agreement, you have to live with it. And if there's something you don't understand or there's something that you absolutely hate that's in there, then you need to be sure that that's being addressed before your signature goes on that page. And, you know, I, we say, lawyers say all the time that no agreement is perfect. And usually both sides are a little bit unhappy with the agreement, which is true. But you also have to start to prioritize what's important and have your goal list. And, you know, like what's the number one thing that's so important to you that you don't want to negotiate on, or it's more important for that piece than something else. So you can give up something else in order to get that. And you have to be the one to set those goals and not yet let your lawyer or any of the professionals set them for you. So I think that the most important piece of it is educate yourself and ask questions. Don't be intimidated or afraid to ask questions of the professionals and don't let any professional bully you into an agreement that you don't like. Um, they are supposed to be working for you. They're supposed to be guiding you and counseling you and advising you of all of the maybe the different variables if you pursue it in court or not. But you are allowed to ask questions and make sure you understand so that you're not just kind of being pushed into something that you don't like. So education and being a self-advocate are, are the most important pieces. I love that you say scary that pieces. Yes, yeah, they're I very spend, scary. Yeah, it is. I spend mm -hmm. a lot of time with clients um, at the table with their attorney and other professionals, and they do take that. It's almost a relief. Okay, it's in their hands. I'm good yeah. to go. And I'll say, well, now it's even more important that you're engaged because they're your advocate. They're not the boss. So they 
they need to be directed by you. You come to the table and you as an attorney, you need to know what do you want and why do you want it? And then you can do your job. Um, and I think to your point, a lot of people don't understand that. Um, and then they end up very confused and very frustrated. And there's lots of lawyers that will just try to jam an agreement down their client's throat just to be mm -hmm. done with it. And they, they won't listen to them or they won't recognize what their goals are in the hierarchy of those goals. And instead they're just going to tell them that you need to do this because this is what's on the table and you're not going to get something better in court. And I think it's just having a better conversation or more communication with your lawyer in order to, to, to get on the same page. So you both are working mm -hmm. towards the same goal. And a lot of times that doesn't happen. Yeah, so even if you take pause and take on the challenge of doing something by yourself for yourself, that might be the space that you need to get the courage to ask those really good questions or to listen to your gut. Women have a really good, strong gut reaction to things and look at the red flags and write those things down and take it to your attorney and ask those questions, you know, because you'll become more powerful by the more questions you ask. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Yeah. So Renee, do you have a final tip for everyone? Um, I'm sure it may relate to your happy even after podcast or the D course. Uh, what would you like to leave with everyone today? I would say that you have to start turning inward to find solutions to the things that are keeping you up at night. So, so often what happens is someone looks at their ex and says, they're the reason for all of my misery. They're the reason I don't have enough money. Or they might look to their lawyer and say, they're the reason that I, I, you know, I didn't get enough. And they're looking constantly for external answers to things that are keeping them up and are causing them concern. And when you flip that switch and you say, okay, what can I do to fix this problem? Or what can I do to make sure I have enough money to pay my bills? Or what can I do when I'm missing my kids? You're starting to provide your, provide your own solutions. And I think that is the key to coming out the other side of divorce, to thriving past divorce, and to really finding your happy even after is to stop blaming and looking back Stop looking in the past and just look forward and have the courage to rely on yourself and the strength to say, I am all that I need in order to make it out the other end. And because you have all of the power and you have everything you need inside of you, you just have to tap into it. Believe in it. I love Excellent. that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, Renee, where should people go if they want to connect with you or learn more about you? Sure. Instagram is my favorite place to hang out. So you can find me there at Ms. Renee Bauer. And then from there, you can link up to everything else I have going on. Wonderful. Okay. Well, this concludes our episode on the art of reinvention, divorcing without shame. Thank you, Renee, for a great conversation. Thank you so much.